Building Years Podcast with Justin Alexio and Jeremiah Watkins. New episodes every Wednesday. Welcome to the show. What's up, guys? It's the Building Years with Jeremiah Watkins. Your main host, Justin Alexio. He always introduced himself as the main host or the pimp or whatever. It's okay. Uh, I'm very excited to have our our uh, our good buddy, uh, fellow stand-up comedian, uh, paid regular at the Comedy Store, uh, gay pet, Brenton Biddlecombe on the program today. Thank you for having me, guys. Temporary guest, Brenton Biddlecombe here. <laughs> How's it going? Wait, were you in Gay Pets? I was in Gay Pets. He was one of the leads in Gay Pets, and uh, <laughs> I was a gay pet. And he was a gay pet. It was it was it was awesome. If you haven't seen that video, uh, just type in Gay Pets on YouTube, and uh, you'll see some shirtless let, dudes. Let, let's rate your experience on that shoot, one to ten. Uh, I thought we were going to get arrested multiple times, <laughs> and. Uh, I'm glad you brought this up first because now my mom can't listen to this podcast. Oh, no. I don't want to share that with her ever. But it was fun. We had a good okay. time. Mrs. Biddlecombe, just don't look at gay pets, okay? Just don't look at gay pets. We won't go too much into the... Okay, we have to go into the premise of it a little bit. Um, man, we just lost out on a listener. I'm feeling really bad already. Yep. That's the he's number like, one yep. listener of this podcast. Brenton's mom. My she's mother. Been, she's been following us since day one, just waiting for Brenda to be on this program. When are you going to do their thing? You should call them. Set it up your friends, right? Uh, so basically in Gay Pets, uh, we had uh, GoPros attached to our bodies, and we were uh, shirtless and like super short shorts. And uh, Jamie Salida, uh, who's uh, uh, our friend and the gay comic, he walked around with us, uh, Brent and I, on leashes as as dogs, and we were his gay pets. And we walked around Hollywood, and we went to a Chick Fil A, and we went to a public park, and uh, got some fantastic reactions, <laughs> just the best. And uh, Brenton, you said that uh, the the what what are your YouTube <laughs> credits? <laughs> Uh, like as far as the videos, what was um, the first one you said that that you played a guy in a wheelchair? Wheelchair rapist. <laughs> wheelchair rapist. <laughs> Gay pets. Gay pets in high school. In high school. Uh, yeah, he also played uh, the guy that Jeff and I bullied in the high school. They beat the sketch. shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, throw a football at him. <laughs> threw water in his face. Tripped him. Yeah, just uh, yeah. All right. So I take it your mom didn't see the the wheelchair rapist. No. Did you see high school though? Uh, she has seen high school. Did she like that one? She liked high school. Okay, cool. My little brother's in the wheelchair one. He was 17 at the time, and he wore a shirt that said Rape Club on it, and chanted Rape, and that was his part. He was in town visiting when we shot it, so they put him in it. That's oh. freaking awesome. Yeah. All right. I like that. So where are you from? <laughs> I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, but uh, my family moved to the Midwest when I was really young, and we bounced back and forth between Michigan and Ohio. Okay. So I was uh, 10 different schools before I graduated high school. Wow. 10 All different over. schools? 10 different schools. Was it, I mean, how hard is it to make, like, how many of your friends from those, those schools do you, are you still in touch with? Um, very few, except from the last two. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I talked to anybody from any of, like, mi middle school before that. I don't talk to anybody. Have you um, gone back um, and done any shows in that area where people are just like, I went to grade school or 
or high school with you at one of these random Definitely locations. high school, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I started doing comedy. I went to high school in Michigan for a year, and then we moved to Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, which is where my family's at now. Um, but when I started doing comedy, I moved up to Michigan and was going to school up there and did a lot of shows, and a lot of people from high school would come out and see me. That's cool. So that was fun. Um, but no one really before that. I don't even... If someone came up to me and said, we went to middle school together, I probably wouldn't remember them. Right. Because you just... So many people, you just oh, yeah, lose you track just, of it. Yeah, especially out here, like, I'm <laughs> doing comedy in L.A. Justin yeah. and I have talked about it before. It's just like... It's just like constantly like uh that you know a revolving door of people who are always coming in la yeah so just like you meet somebody one time and then they come up to you like we met at this one place and you're just like uh good to see you we've again, been facebook but- friends for two years you don't know me <laughs> that that's just weird it's like we're friends on facebook it's like that means nothing yeah like yeah like yeah i just accepted you know what i mean i mean i still have uh new comics from michigan are adding me all the time on Facebook. Sure. Oh, I've I never bet met them. Yeah. yeah, because they're like... I, I was in that scene for like three years, and so... And, I mean, yeah. you're, you know, you're making your way up in the L.A. scene, so mm-hmm. they're like, hey, that's that's one of our guys, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like the hometown pride kind of thing. Yeah. Did you know uh, Peter Banachowski before coming out to L.A.? Definitely. Cool. So how, how did... Uh, where exactly did you meet Peter at? We did our first open mic ever together the same oh. night. Oh, that's awesome. Or it was, it was mine. I think it was... It was either his first or it was like in his first ten. Mm-hmm. So we did the same mic at this club called Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle and just hit it off, became friends. He used to actually come over. I worked at a glow-in-the-dark putt-putt, and it was <laughs> always dead, so he'd come over and we'd write material in the afternoon when he got off work. That's great. Yeah. That's a great story. All right. <laughs> Peter would be like, all right, man, let's meet at the putt-putt real quick, yeah. get some jacks out, and then uh, then we played a few rounds. Smash some puss and do some comedy, man. <laughs> did you kill your first time? Uh, the first time I did well, as far as first times go, the second time I did so bad, I almost quit. Mm. <laughs> it was at this bar called the Rusty Nail off of uh, Big Beaver Road, exit 69 in Michigan. <laughs> and it was just, it was atrocious. It was, um, I went there, I was 19 at the time. And I don't know if I was even allowed to go in there, but I said I was doing the open mic and it was just the bartender and the server were the only two people there. And it was supposed to start at 9, so I got there at 8.30. And, you know, it's 9 o'clock, then it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Finally, some people come in. And they're like, okay, we're going to start the mic. And it was just <laughs> it was just horrible. <laughs> now, uh, you were on our buddy's podcast, uh, Dean Del Rey. You were on his podcast, uh, Let There Be Talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, if you don't mind, there's one story that I would like you to retell on this podcast just for our listeners' sake because I think it's really cool. And it's uh, uh, the way the, the comedy competition thing, how you got involved with the comedy store and everything like that. Okay, yeah. Um, so there's another club in michigan joey's it's uh you know it's a fun room um the old gm at the comedy store dean was dating this girl jill at the time and Mm -hmm. she's also from michigan and so she was in contact with the the manager there and set this thing up where they would do a contest and the winner would come out to la for a week and perform at the comedy store yeah and so i won the contest came out and loved it so much i moved out to la six months later Oh wow! And, uh, so before that contest, did you want to move to LA? I was thinking about New York. Ah, because well, I, yeah. I just want to do stand up. Sure. So which is it's kind of cool. Uh, um, 
uh, whenever you run into to comics who are just pursuing the comedy aspect, because I mean we're out here in LA and you know we we are with a lot of comedians who really try to spread themselves a little bit too thin, and then you're like, oh, I can tell they're not really in this for the comedy. They're doing this as like a resume thing yeah. or whatever, and it gets kind of well, here's the here's the fun thing about the contest though, just to show you how comedy clubs will screw over new comics <laughs> the prize was supposed to be all expenses paid out to la car hotel room it took me after i'd won it like four months to get just a ticket booked and it had like three stops it was on some airline i never heard of oh my goodness. <laughs> and i got to la and basically the guy who was running the contest in michigan was like well you're on your own good luck so what? Luckily, Jill and Dean took me in, so I stayed with them for a week, and she drove me around, and wow, and it was good. But it was literally just, hey, wow, here's a ticket, best of luck, dude. What a douche move. <laughs> <laughs> now, what what was your experience like uh, with uh, the since you won the, the the contest a week of performing? What were the the spots and shows like uh, um, whenever you were doing that? Uh, well, I went up in potluck and bombed horribly. <laughs> Which for for people uh, uh, who don't know much about the comedy store, uh, the potluck is held in the original room of the comedy store, which is it's considered one of the hardest rooms in America, um, or in comedy in general. Uh, it's just a very very tough room, and uh, the open mic it's it's really hard to get any kind of laughs going because people are being seated, people are coming in and the lights are, it's all lit up in the room while like it looks you're like you're kind of performing in a weird cafeteria whenever you're on stage there. The lights are on, people are getting seated. There's tons of comedians in the back and they're wondering why there's so many people in the back of the room and not in the crowd. And so a lot of times comedians, there's way more comedians than actual audience members. So they feel kind of weird and they feel uncomfortable. So yeah, I can totally understand why you would bomb during the, the potluck. The, the turning point for me, I did a show in the belly room on a Friday night, and Bobby Lee came up, and he almost never goes up to the belly room, but yeah. he came up, and he was sitting in there in the green room with us, and you know I'm terrified of everything, because I don't know anybody, and I'm just there, and I was, I think I was 20 at the time, and he looks at me, and he just goes, hey, when's the kid going up? I want to watch the kid. And I went on stage, and I had a really good set, and mm -hmm. he was sitting on the steps there just laughing his ass off. Yeah. And then afterwards was so cool to me and said, hey, you need to move out to L.A. immediately. Just drop whatever you're doing and get out here. And wow. he was really helpful. Oh, and, nice. And convincing me, and, and he's been helpful ever since I got out here with various things. So That's great, dude. That was the the big turning point. He's a great guy. Like, yeah. he, like uh, um if you know him from Mad TV or whatever at all, like he has a very, you know, like, and like on stage, very crazy, like stage presence and all that stuff. But he's like one of the nicest comedians that I've met. And he's so helpful to everybody. Yeah, truly. Uh, and you've, uh, speaking of like other, like comics like that, uh, that have like given you <laughs> words of wisdom. Uh, you've done some pouring, uh, some, uh, touring with, uh, Polly Shore. Done some porn with Polly Shore. Done some, yes. You've done some porn with Polly Shore. Uh, <laughs> Dude, right there. I'm coming. Sorry, bro. Dude, don't shake the camera. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what's what's touring been like with Polly? Has he given you any words of, of wisdom? Uh, I mean, he it's it's amazing when we go. He pays for everything. You get paid to do stand up. All of his shows are sold out, and you get to travel and stay in nice hotels. 
So I, I like all that. Um, and I haven't had any bad experiences with him. Like a lot of guys who have opened for him, they warn you that he will yell at you and right. And it's it's not fun, but I mean, as long as he sells his shirts, he doesn't care. Right. And I I have a fun time selling his merch. It's like performing again for people. Oh yeah, totally. So, uh, but the day I got hired to work at the comedy store, he pulled me aside and gave me some really good advice and just said, you know, don't ever feel bad asking questions. Ask something before you mess up. It's worse if you don't ask and screw up. And um, yeah, yeah. You know, just having someone like him tell you that you're funny and you had a good set and good job consistently, you know, is is really good for a young comic's ego. Oh, especially. Like, especially whenever you're moving out from somewhere very far away, you're leaving your family and your friends yeah. and everything, and then you, you really need that reassurance. Otherwise, you're like, oh, I hope I made the right decision. I, you know, all, the, yeah. all that kind well, of stuff. Well, the first show I did with him was in Toledo, Ohio, so my whole family came. Wow. What was that like? It was amazing. <laughs> it was so good. Dude. Just oh. and he was he couldn't have been nicer to them. Gave them all a bunch of free stuff. Took pictures. Was talking to them for like twenty minutes. That's so cool, man. Mm-hmm. It's always nice to hear whenever like bigger dudes are just like down to earth and they're like they get it. You know? Yeah. I mean? Anyone who has heard that Paulie is a douche, um, you are hearing it from someone who is incorrect. Because I've I've been going out with him for you know year and a half of touring, and he's been nothing but nice. Wow, that's good. Setting the record straight. Yes. Totally. So maybe you're the douche. <laughs> it's, it's possible. Look it's in the very mirror. possible the people who are like, Paulie Shore's a douche. Nah, he's such a nice guy. He wouldn't guy. sign he's, my dick. Yeah, I don't get it. He's so good to his fans, too, man. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, you were talking about um, uh, when you first got hired at the comedy store. How long have you uh, been working at the store now? I've been there for three years. Cool. And and you uh, you recently uh, became a uh, paid regular yes. at the comedy store. It was three long years. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm in it right now. I've talked to Justin on this podcast a lot about uh, how hard it is on and off the podcast, uh, mainly off the podcast, <laughs> about how hard it is. It's, uh, it's such a weight off my shoulders, and I feel good. Like there's, I mean, obviously, I'd like to have um, more going for me. I think we'd all like to be on TV and in movies and whatnot. Well, yeah, but sure. It does feel good to get past without having anything other than just jokes. I think that was. Oh, dude. Yeah. When the what was cool, uh, what Tommy said to me one time that was really cool was uh, he said he's like I he's like uh, I like to give artists validation before they get any stuff like that, and he put my name on the marquee before I had anything going on he's like that's to show people i let that the store is liking you because of talent and not because of some credit or something yes. like that and i was yes. like that's that's like the best that was like the best feeling is just like you know what i mean that that becomes like it makes it worthwhile for how hard you have to struggle there whenever stuff like that happens you're like oh well you know the cream rises to the top like the the really good people get to perform there and it's not just like a politics thing like a lot of other clubs where it's like oh i've got definitely i've got tv credits i've been on the sitcom i've seen i've seen tommy turn down at the booth so many people are like i have a comedy central special and i've just seen him look at people and be like i don't care you're never here and you're in, it's, it's not what we're looking for here like they're like they're they might do like kind of fake, like very like uh, surface level comedy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've just seen people just storm out, and I'm just like, that's freaking awesome. This yeah. is the place I want to be. You know what I mean? Yep. So cool. 
Dude. Um, what, uh, what's, what, what, uh, what all have you done there, like, as far as, like, uh, like I know you've kind of done, like, a lot of different jobs, like phones and all that yeah. stuff. I've what's done your role? absolutely everything that you can do there. Um, when I started, well, first of all, anyone who, whoever wants to go there and try to get a job, it's not easy because I spent the first seven months I moved out here hanging out there every single night until they hired me. Yeah. And the only reason they hired me was because I lied to them and said that I could drive stick so I could work the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I started working the parking lot and then eventually moved into the room seating people and then got on the phones and so on and so forth. But I mean, I've... So do, um, you, do you have to teach yourself how to do stick then? No, I, I just... I did, everyone who comes in is really cool because it's a very tiny lot and you say, hey, I can't drive stick so you can let me try to move your car and fuck it up or you can move it yourself when I need you to and they would all... <laughs> yeah, you know, they're they're more like, oh, yeah, I'll move it. Comics yeah, are all cool people. So, um, But I mean, there were nights when servers would come in late so I'd be serving drinks and uh, I've, I've bar back there. I mean, I've taken deliveries during the day there, signed for stuff, put stuff away so I've pretty much done everything that you can do. And your role has kind of changed there more recently. You've been uh, helping out with like the social media and like uh, the Twitter and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. How does that work <laughs> exactly? Like like being responsible for the Twitter. Like what all do you do? Like being a social media guy now. I uh, I blast the shows on uh, Twitter and Facebook. I uh, created newsletters. We'd never done guest list at the comedy store. Really? Not since uh, since I took it over. Um, in March, there were no guest lists, so I started doing those in email blasts because we had we'd never done email blasts, I don't think, except right. for very rarely like special occasions. So I started doing those every week and putting in guest lists for the shows, and people who had already purchased tickets were part of those uh, lists, and they started coming back, and it's just kind of grown, and so it's great to see like the main room on Friday and Saturday. Pretty much every week is packed. Dude, it's I love dude seeing the main room at the comedy yeah. store like that's like that room is the greatest showroom when it's full. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah, like I've done it one time and it was almost it was, uh, it was over three years ago on a some bringer show like and it was semi full and it was still like one of the most magical show experiences. Well, that room's special for anyone that doesn't know that room. Um, Originally, Ciro's was where the Rat Pack formed. Lucille Ball used to perform there. And it's the same stage that it was back in the 50s. They've just changed the color to red. But, right. I mean, that place is special. Magic Dude, in totally. the walls. Oh, well, in the, wall, in the walls and, yeah, I mean, have you... What do you think about like the the haunting of the comedy store? How, like how like do you know what I mean? How it's it's quote unquote haunted in certain places? You know, it's it's one of those things where I don't mess with spirits, so they don't mess <laughs> with me. I don't necessarily believe in ghosts because mm-hmm. I've never I've been there so many times by myself during the day, um, and sometimes at night, and I've never had anything happen to me. Nothing weird. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things where if you put it in your head that it's real eventually you're going to start seeing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it probably helps a lot of the guys who have stories that most of them were stoned or <laughs> really drunk the time or on a combination of things. Yeah. So as someone who's pretty much sober all the time, I, I haven't seen or heard anything. All right. We're putting a lot of rumors to rest today. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, now, uh, if, you, if you don't mind me uh, getting... I'm, I'm curious because uh, I... 
uh, I'm a sober dude. What a what are uh, do you ever get asked like why you know why uh, you don't? Well, how sober like, like, are you? You're like a hundred percent. I have a drink every now and then, but it's rare that I do. Um, I don't know. I just I've never had a desire to do drugs, um, and I just kind of like thinking straight all the time. I don't really get off being drunk or being high. Right. I just. Well, I think uh, I think you can relate to this as uh, like a good show. That's like the best high I've yeah, ever I'd, gotten. I don't of, I don't need you, to try drugs. Because you know what I mean? I've already had the best one. Yeah, like whenever you're killing, like in front yeah. of like a huge room, and just everybody's like getting it, and you're like in tune. And it's like people like of all races, age, everything. Like that's. That's such a special feeling. Like whenever that's happening, it's like, it, uh, like I, I just can't imagine something being better, like topping that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or we should. Uh, that's a good public service announcer for the kids. We have a lot of teenagers that listen to our show. <laughs> don't do drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. Okay, <laughs> it's bad. But I mean, it was also uh, with the drugs. I was such a big Hedberg fan, uh, Mitch Hedberg, mm-hmm. and I studied him and. You know, I, I had a good childhood. I had a good background. Um, I didn't really get picked on. So I only do stand-up because I love jokes. I love writing jokes and telling jokes. I don't have, you know, the kind of background where I had a lot of the bad things happen to me. I so I have to talk about my problems. Right, right. But uh, after I discovered him and, and saw how he died, I was like, if I ever got to the point where I was good enough, I don't want to go out by my own means. You know, I want to try to stay clean and... That's exactly how I feel about Farley. Because yeah. I mean, as I'm sure as big of a Hedberg fan you are, like that's how I am with Farley. Farley's yeah. my guy, and you know, so you, same. So thing. you know what I mean. I totally you know, get it. If yeah. you ever got that good, and you had so many fans, you know, like you or I, yeah, you wouldn't want to do that to them. Oh, totally. I mean, so yeah, that's that's such... a a big part about the two reasons why I stay clean is one because you know i i see how it's messed up a lot of people's lives and and taken a lot of them and and two is i like the way my mind works so i don't want to try to change it yeah and and uh brenton is a uh, he's a one-liner comic um and uh he, he, um and like more short form stuff he's i've seen you do like some you know <laughs> some longer form stuff but for the mm-hmm. most part uh are you okay with being labeled like a one-liner comic for yeah the most definitely part? Definitely, um, I am. Now, your writing process, uh, how, I guess, how hard is that? Because, the, like, for me, for example, a lot of my stuff is longer form. So whenever I get a bit working, that knocks out a couple minutes. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But with one-liners, like, it's such a, like, a like that's a ten, that's maybe, like, what, 10 seconds or 15 seconds per joke? Yeah, depends on the joke. Like, I think I counted one time, Stephen Wright's last special, When the Leaves Blow Away, he did somewhere between 200 and 250 jokes to do his hour. Oh, wow. That's a lot, that's <laughs> that's a lot, of, a jokes. lot of jokes. And I used to feel bad about not writing a lot of good jokes all the time because mm-hmm. I struggle. I mean, I write jokes every day, but most of them are terrible and I'll never do them on stage. And it's rare that I actually write one in a day that I will try. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he was doing an interview and it made me feel so much better about myself. The The guy was asking him, well, you know, you've been doing this for a while now. You're finally getting success. You must feel really good. And he was like, yeah, I mean, it's it's good, but it took me such a long time, man, because I do these shorter jokes 
And I've been doing this over a decade, and I just now have an hour. And when you think about that, you know, that's like writing less than five minutes a year. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, it, it's like it, compare that, compare a Stephen Wright type comic to somebody like CK or Burr, who is putting out an hour almost every single year now. Anytime something big happens and you watch Burr the next night, he's talking about it. And yep. it's amazing. Yeah. It's the best thing you've ever heard. Yeah. So it's uh it's crazy like how like different styles like uh how much longer it takes with mm-hmm. with certain with like to to prep certain things and and all that. Um when I, like whenever you got past at the comedy store, did you did it happen a certain like how did it exactly happen or was he just like very, was Tommy it was, the talent coordinator there? It was so anticlimactic. <laughs> um <laughs> He said, uh, listen, I'm looking for the right week. You're going to be passed. This was in early October. And uh, so I got passed October 27th when I was hosting a potluck there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the week before, he had passed Hannibal Burris and Eric Andre on the same night. And so after that, he said, next week is your week, so I'm going to pass you then. And then he officially told me on Monday. And then that Saturday, I did my first spot. So it was... I, I knew a month before yeah. it actually happened. Like, I got this. Um, but if we could go back, I want to I share this with you. My dad sent me this text this morning just about um, to let you know how good like my upbringing was. <laughs> uh, my dad, who's not a comedian, and he's, he's, not, he's a funny guy, but he's not really trying to be funny. He sent me this this morning. Um, words of wisdom from your old man. If you are happy today, that is good for a comedian. If you are sad today because of personal problems, that is also good for a comedian. Because you are a comedian, either way, you cannot lose. Have a wonderful day. Like you just oh man, that's awesome. Something out of the blue, and <laughs> I sent back, "Thanks, Dad. Please send more money." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I don't think I've ever seen a comic that positive. Um, okay, so now that we're so positive, let's get into the negative here. Okay, so basically, this is the section called the Hollywood bitch slap. You've been out here for a couple years, so we just want to know any kind of story that. Or Hollywood has basically bitch slapped you, and some someone in the industry or at a show has just really shat on you. Anytime you've been crapped on out here, I have two pretty good stories. All right, Um, right. well, I don't know if they're good, but this uh, the first one, I did the mic at the Laugh Factory, and it went so well that uh, the guy who was working with Jamie at the time, and Jamie was there, um, said, "Hey, here's my personal email. Email me. I want to showcase you immediately," Mm -hmm. which. From yeah. what I hear as far as showcases, uh, they it doesn't take happen. Years. Yeah, it takes like a year and a half at least. Um, so two weeks later, I'm back to showcase. Mm-hmm. And um, I did a joke that I'd never done before, and I shouldn't have done it <laughs> because I was showcasing. And I don't think it was that bad, but there was um, there was a girl in the front that got uh, super... She wasn't even listening to the joke, but she got <laughs> super offended. So it was this uh, African-American girl... And she went on stage and, and during white, by the open way. mic. I'm very white. <laughs> uh, she went on stage during the open mic and was wearing these like way too short leopard shorts and twerking. Like that was her set was twerking. And <laughs> nice then the set. rest of the, the show, she was just kind of chatting and she was on her phone and she wasn't really paying attention. And then I was on stage. I was doing, I was doing pretty well. And I did this new joke where I go... Um, is it racist if I ask my black dentist to check my teeth when I have cotton mouth? <laughs> <laughs> and all she heard was, is it racist? And immediately just went, <gasps> and 
And then the room got so weird. Oh, yeah. And then oh. Harvey, who's the announcer for the mic with a microphone off to the side, goes, while we respect your First Amendment right, you may never be asked to perform here again. He said During that my on showcase. The- oh, what? And what? afterwards, my feedback from Jamie was, young man, it's not working for us. Wow. What the frick, dude? So yeah. some ignorant idiot who was twerking <laughs> ruined that. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not in at the Laugh Factory. That was the last time you were there? <laughs> was, no, I've done uh, outside shows there. Yeah. Um, and I've had a lot of fun there, and it's a fun room, but as Dude, far as uh, what me. the frick? <laughs> I didn't think the joke was that bad. I thought it's it was It's really kinda... not. It, but I shouldn't oh, have here's the thing. done it for a show. Whatever but... race, if that, that person acts like they're really offended, all the white people are always so nervous in the room, and the yeah. white people make it terrible every single time. Yeah. They make it awkward and terrible every single time. So that was that experience. Because they're like, uh-oh, if that's how that <laughs> black lady feels, I should I definitely feel that way. Yeah. Dang. Um, and then I had another show. Uh, I was performing at the Improv, and uh, again, I was I was having a pretty good time, and this girl in the front, it wasn't a big crowd, she goes, your jokes are funny, but can you tell us a story or something? Because I'm kind of getting sick of them. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. And, oh. you know, I, I had the light, so I didn't have a lot of time, so I just kind of wrapped it up. I addressed it, wrapped it up, and finished yeah. it. Um, the comic I brought up next was T.J. Miller, and at the time he was getting a Letterman set ready, so he was working on his five minutes. So he did his set and finished, and then said, "Okay, I'm done with my Letterman set, but before I move on, I just want to say to you," and he pointed to the lady, "that you're a piece of shit for saying that to him. Like he's a young comic, he's working hard, he's funny, and." The fact that you would say that during a show is awful. You're a horrible person. What do you do for a living? And she goes, I'm a waitress. And he goes, well, you know what? I'm going to come to your restaurant. I'm going to order things. I'm going to tip you $100, but then I'm going to tell you how much of a piece of shit you are because I don't like you, and I can tip you $100 because I got all that Yogi Bear money. (laughs) (laughs) And he just went into her. um, I left after my set because I was just, like, mortified. Yeah. And... um, I heard that he got into a, he almost got into a fist fight with her boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> and it got really ugly. Um, and then the and he's next not day, friends with you, right? No, no, I I'd, yeah. I'd never met TJ before, so it was really cool of him um, to do that for me. But then Peter was Peter Banachowski was still working at the Improv at that time. Yeah, and he called me and said, "Hey, their show notes for you were not ready because of that occurrence of that lady saying that they put not ready." And then I didn't get booked there for a while. And then he called me two days later and goes, you're not going to believe this. So this lady just called the improv crying. And she's like, I was at the show two nights ago, and I said some mean things to one of the comics. And he he was funny, but I was so high, I don't even remember saying it. (laughs) And I feel so bad. Can I get his number to call him and apologize? Wow. So, I mean, twice I've been blacklisted from two of the clubs. <laughs> wow. Because of people in the audience. Just because of uh, stupid uh, people in the audience, man. It's also Don't like, get high and come to my show and yell at me. It's also like the <laughs> my co- jokes are too smart for you. That's something that I'll never get to <laughs> well, say. It, on I'm, my not, own I'm not saying that. Just don't get high and, and be mean because I don't handle it well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any? Were you about to say something, Justin? Oh, it's just like I feel like the clubs should just know. Oh, let's not let the audience decide the fate of this comic 
and well, his future performances. Oh, well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> well, no, if you're bad, but I'm saying I mean, like these are yeah, one that's person. That's why yeah. the store is so different from the other two. Oh yeah, dude. Is because they don't care about the audience reaction, and that's been the way it's been since Mitzi was running it in the '70s. Yeah. I mean, there are some superstars that have gone up there and bombed, and she goes, "No, I know what you're doing. I understand it." Um. You know, and, and I mean, they're all businesses, so they all want to make money, but yeah. I feel like more so than the other clubs, the comedy store really does want to cultivate talent from the ground up. And yeah, that's how it survived is totally it cultivates talent, and then the talent keeps coming back and filling the rooms. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Brenton, uh, we've loved having you uh, on the show. Do you want to plug anything before we leave? Uh, I will be working at the comedy store on Friday. Um, Which is tonight, the release of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Most weeks I'm there. I'm there uh, performing a lot, and then I I just do random shows. So I guess, uh, and I don't don't post any of them online, so. You don't post it on your Twitter? Is it just jokes on Twitter? Just jokes on Twitter for the most part. Do you post on Facebook shows? No. All right, well, uh, Brenton, is a hard, man. Brenton is a very hard guy to track down. You'll see me maybe someday. But, but what about... <laughs> what about... Can we plug your, your Twitter for to people to check out jokes? Sure, it's at uh, BB Combs, B-B-C-O-M-B-E-S. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. B-B-C-O-M-B-E-S. At BB Combs, Brenton, thank you, buddy, so much for coming by. Thanks, uh, thanks guys. Glad to have you. 